Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for today, and I thank you for your new mercies, and I thank you, Father, for your goodness, and I thank you, Father, for the joy that we can have abiding in you, regardless of what's going on in our circumstances, God, or what may be going on in the world around us, Father. We can have peace and joy in you. I thank you, Father, for fellowship. Thank you, Father, that you have commanded us, God, um, to meet together and encourage one another, Father, and that you've given us that gift, and may we never take it for granted, Father. So as we have united together this morning, God, I pray, Father, that it would be pleasing unto you, and uh, Father, we come with open hearts and open minds to receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh uh-huh. 
communion this morning. Norma, if you'll pray over the bread. nothing that we can do. All we can do is just to surrender to you. Our life for you, for the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. What a privilege we have, God, that we can come together and celebrate and commemorate what you did for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your body. Thank you for your great love, because you first love us. Because of that, we can call you Abba, Father, Beloved, Savior. Yes, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, we thank you today for this great opportunity that we can come together as a brothers and sisters in Christ, with the mind of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. And we can walk in freedom because of what you did at that cross. You have set us free from sin and death. And for that, Lord, we worship you, we honor you. We give the glory and the honor to you, God. So we thank you for your sacrifice. In Jesus' name. Take the bread.
guilt of your prey over the cup.
far as I'm concerned, he's an easy God to worship. I don't have to be on a stage to praise him. I can be in the car. I can be in Walmart. And start thinking of the good things of Jesus. I can go down the road in the car and just have a Holy Ghost glorious time. And in case you're having a little problem thinking of some good reason to worship him, I thought of this this afternoon. David said it, and I like it. And he said it in Psalms 103 like this. He says, I bless the holy name of God with all my heart. I like David. He said, yes, I will bless the Lord. And he said, and I'll not forget the glorious things he does for me. Well, sometimes I think we just kind of take him for granted and forget a little bit. But tonight we've come together to say, Lord, we're not going to forget what you've done. Let's remind ourselves of just a little bit of what he did. Number one, he said, see if this is a good one for you to praise him for. He forgives all my sins. That's a good one. Second one, David said, he heals me. If you've ever been healed in your whole life, give him praise for that one. If he's ever touched your sick body, pulled a fever brow, touched your baby, hallelujah. Think about this one. He ransoms me from hell. My God. Well, hallelujah. He said, he surrounds me with loving kindness and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. So that my youth is renewed like the eagles. When you're nearly 40, you can really praise on that one. I like this one. Oh, I like this one. He is merciful and tender to those who don't deserve it. Anybody can praise on that one? He's slow to get angry, thank God. And full of kindness and love. He never bears a grudge. Jesus. Nor remains angry forever. Thank you, Lord. Think about this one. He's not punished us as we deserve for all of our sins. For his mercy toward those who fear and honor him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far away from us as the east is from the west. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I can praise Him tonight. Yeah, I can praise Him. I said I can praise Him. He deserves the honor. He deserves the glory. I've got so much to thank God for so many blessings. So many open 
how could I forget, Lord? I remember. And I thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Lord, you know what? Not only do I thank you right now for taking me over the mountain, I just want to stop and shock the devil and say, I thank you for the mountain. scripture and I read it today interestingly enough in one of my favorite chapters in the Bible in Psalms 37 I guess you can sit down don't get comfortable in Psalms 37 there's a scripture that I love and I enjoy reading this because it makes me smile it says God laughs at your enemy because he sees that his day is coming yes I like that. I like it. That God laughs at the enemy. I think sometimes he's just looking at him, shaking your head, his head, saying, you know, you can try to destroy him if you want to, but I need to remind you of something. I'm in covenant with them. And when you're messing with them, you're messing with me. When you're fighting them, you're fighting me. And if you can mess with them if you want to, but I'll just part the waters again. I'll just shut the lion's mouth again. I'll just, I'll just walk through the fiery furnace again. That's what he says. Because our God is a faithful God. I'm thankful for that. So it's for all of these things tonight. We can give him praise. Thank you, Lord. What an awesome God you are.
Lord truly, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, there's no one like you, Father. And we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, that you first loved us. We thank you, Father, that you pursue us. Father, you are pleased to reveal yourself to us through your Son, Jesus. We thank you, Father, that you deliver us unto righteousness for your name's sake, God. That it's your desire that none shall perish. We thank you, Father, that, Lord, you've called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light for those who have been born again who have confessed and believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and has been resurrected from the dead. For those who have been, Father, truly converted, transformed by your power, God. I pray for those that are among us today who have not been born again. Maybe they have an interest in religious things. But God, they don't know you. And so I pray that today, God, that you would awaken them, God, that their eyes would be open, that their ears would hear you calling their name, that they would turn to Jesus and stop pursuing worthless idols. And I thank you, Father, that we can gather and open your word today and be encouraged. We thank you that your word is the living word and that it will not return void. So I praise you, Father. We glorify your name, Jesus. And we say, Lord, let thy will be done, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. I want to open up this morning with a devotional that I read. The guy's name is Chris Tigreen. Psalm 115, verse 8. Those who make idols will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. He goes on to write, False worship has a horrifying result. It shapes us into the object of our idolatry. The psalmist who observed the worship habits of the Philistines and the Canaanites, saw that the end result of idolatry was a state of senselessness. Eyes that do not see, mouth that that cannot speak, ears that cannot hear, and hands and feet that cannot feel or walk. In other words, idolatry leads to numbness and death. Our idols today are more sophisticated, but they dull our senses just the same. When we give undue attention to the gifts of God, distorting them, we close our eyes and ears to the vision and voice of our God. We see him less clearly and hear him more faintly. In our pursuit of things we think will bring us life at its fullest, we drift away from the source of life himself. The fullness we seek always eludes us until we return to him and worship him alone. 
What an irony. Those who pursue pleasures in place of God become less able to sense it. Those who seek success as a validation of their own worth end up feeling worthless. Those who chase after sexual or romantic passions eventually find themselves numb to its greatest blessing. The gifts of God never seem like gifts to those who pursue them instead of the giver. But to those who seek only God, all other gifts become even greater blessings. So be careful about what you pursue. It will eventually define you. Your addiction to pleasure, to substances, to ideals, or anything else eventually become your identity. What begins as a deep interest can easily become a personality-altering obsession. Those who worship falsely begin to look like the objects of their worship. (coughs) Whatever your passions are, the results can be scary. Many people seem to believe the Bible prohibits our enjoyment of God's gifts. It doesn't. In fact, it blesses such. But it gives strong warnings. Enjoyment can turn to idolatry in subtle, dangerous ways. So be very careful. Idols are heavier burden than they appear. Such a great reminder. Such a great reminder. As we open up the Word of God today, but our scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. Go ahead. Yeah. So the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, but it's living through God's power. And if you're not experienced living through God's power, if you're not experienced the hope and the joy that one finds in Christ and in Christ alone, it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. It's you. You're pursuing something other than God. Because the Bible says, if you seek him, you will find him. If you seek him with your whole heart, if you will pursue him, you can enjoy the benefits of his kingdom. My God is not holding anything back from those who are diligently seeking him. He's not. If you would just turn to him, he'll meet you right there. He's not expecting you to to come all cleaned up and perfect. No, he wants you just the way you are. Because in that state, he does his greatest work of transforming you. So that when others see that there's a change in you, it doesn't point to you or to idols. It only points to Jesus. He's the only one that can take a rebellious heart and turn it around to be submitted to his leading. And it's a true submission. It's not a forced submission. Because if it was forced, it wouldn't be love. Mm. See, you have to remember, love you all. No greater love than one will lay down his life for his friends. So that's what Jesus did. He's our example. And as he did it for you, your response is to do it for him. Like, God, I lay my life down. 
I believe. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you were resurrected from the dead, that you defeated sin and death. The very two things that are out to destroy me. They've been defeated, you all. And so why do we keep going back? Why do we keep trading this incredible loving God for worthless idols? And whatever those idols are, whatever they are, whatever you're pursuing, rather it's a relationship, rather it's acceptance from this one or that one, rather it's a physical idol that's been made and carved by human hands, rather it's enjoyment, rather it's whatever you're trying to find to satisfy you. It will only satisfy you for a moment. Why would you trade truly being satisfied for eternity in Christ for temporalness? You see, the kingdom of God is just not a lot of talk, but it's truly living by God's power. It's truly knowing him, walking with him. So no matter what's coming up against your life, no matter how the storms of life are battering up against you, you can stand, but not in your own strength but by remembering who your God is. He will never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. He is for you. He is not against you. He loves us so much that he came for us. But again, that picture of mankind looking at its creator and saying, no, I'll live however I want to live. I'll do whatever I want to do. I'll go wherever I want to go. You're not God. Like mankind has been giving that that opportunity to choose God or not choose him. The wicked, as we've been reading, will prosper on this earth. So that's why we're not to be moved by how they're prospering. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't even question. We know that as the days progress until his return, evil is coming up on a rise at a greater level than you can ever impossible imagine. That's why we're not shocked by what's going on, but we need to recognize the signs of the times. We need to be aware because we're, we're told what to look out for and how we're to live. According to scripture, according to honoring God, not being pulled or swayed or drawn by what's going on in our culture, but by going against it, not hating them, not not beating them down, but loving them and serving them. And we need to start remembering that. We need to start remembering we can recognize the destruction in which is coming because of their choices, but we recognize that they are not our enemies. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with rulers and principalities in the air and the darkness. There is an enemy who will love nothing more 
than to destroy you. But you must remember greater is you, he that is in you than he that is in this world. But you can't claim those promises and experience the fullness of them unless you're truly in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you could try to claim them. It'll be a lot of talk, but your life will show no power. See, bad things happen to Christians. We are warned. They are going to hate you. They are going to kill you. And they will think that you're doing God's work by doing so. As the days approach to his return, Christianity is going to get harder and harder and harder and harder. It's going to be mocked at. It's going to be laughed at. People are going to try, and governments are going to try to snuff it out. But nothing can stop what God has purposed. Nothing. Because the forces that are working against him have already been defeated. God himself is on the throne. So let him laugh, let him mock, let them kill, let them do whatever. God is still greater. And you must know him to believe it. You must truly understand the fullness of who he is. And you must honor him. You are to be set apart from this world. Do you remember what we read last week in Leviticus? He set apart the priest. He consecrated them. They had a service to do unto the Lord. They were... They were a part of his people that were called to be set apart, but even a part of those people, he set up a group of people apart to represent him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were to be about the, God's business. They were to represent him among the people. God, you all, in our generation has set apart ever since the the resurrection of Christ, the, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the church was birthed on this earth. And that's why I've told you that even though things look like it's doom and gloom out there, no, the hope is the church is still on the earth. We're still here to represent Him, to let others know of His great love, of His victory, that we would have the opportunity to share and to serve and to love others as he would. That God, you all, is moving in our day and age. That we are to be the priest set apart. Serving and loving. Not just one man, not just one woman, but a collective group of believers We are the priest. If you're a Christian, you are the priest. You are part of a royal priesthood. You have been given the right to go forth and declare the good news of Jesus. And if that's not how you're living, then I would would encourage you to truly hear the scripture in which we are learning one scripture for everyone to meditate upon all year long. 
is that your walk with God is just a lot of talk and it amounts to nothing if you're not living like a priest. It amounts to nothing. You're, you're doing no good for yourself or for anyone else. You're a fraud. You're a hypocrite. You're making, you're making it worse for yourself and for others because you're just a lot of talk. There's nothing reflecting in your life your love for God. There's nothing in your life because every time one looks at your life or you even look at your life, you're not in Christ. You're back here with your idols. And that's not where you're to be. You're not to be like a doll going back and licking up its vomit. You're not to be like the pig that goes back once it's washed back to the mud. You don't belong there. You don't belong there. You must grow in the fullness of who Christ is and who you are. Because you've been given the Holy Spirit. You've been set apart God says, be holy as I am holy. And in and of ourselves, we can't. In and of ourselves, no matter how we strive and try to do good, we won't do good in our own strength. That's why it's a life that is dependent upon the Holy Spirit. That's what I've told you all. When you wake up in the mornings, if you're a Christian, you better realize you're behind enemy lines. Everything that is here today, this hour, the hours to come, is set out to destroy you. But the good news is, He is for me, not against me. So I can walk in the assurance that I am in Christ. And even when my last breath is taken, I awaken in the position that I am here in Christ. There's a wholeness, there's a security. I'm not looking for my idols here to to fill me, to satisfy me, because I'm already satisfied. I'm already satisfied. No matter what I'm facing, no matter what I have to go through, no matter who's coming against me or what's ahead of me, I'm satisfied. God, God, how I hope that's how each of you are. Did you wake up satisfied this morning? Or did you wake up empty? Looking at your lack instead of looking at the fullness. My God, you love me. My God set apart these priests. And not only are we seeing that, but we're also seeing God deal with sin. He hates it. He hates your rebellious nature. He hates it because it's against him. It doesn't honor him. He hates it. And that's why, as we've seen, he's making provision for sin to be covered. Remember, we, ta- we, we looked back a few weeks ago in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. Remember the shedding of the blood that took place there for them to be clothed? Blood has to cover the sin. But as we know, as we're reading through the Old Testament, the blood of the animals is not a sticking blood. (laughs) They constantly had to bring animals. And as you remember, reading through Scripture, so that they could be right with God, so that they could be right with God, so they could be right with God. But all of this points to the final 
sacrifice God himself. Jesus, you all. His blood washes you clean. His blood, his broken body delivers you from your rebellious heart, from your fleshly ways. So, so though we like to make the excuse, I'm only human, <laughs> as you see yourself, so you live. You're not to be living by your human desires. You're to be living by the Spirit of God in you. Trusting in Him that when those desires flare up, He makes a way out. He makes a way out of every temptation. Some of us are so quick when we're tempted to give in because we lack self-control. Oh, how we must grow and how we must mature people as Christians. Stop going back to the worthless idols of this world. They will never satisfy you. They will never, ever satisfy you. And maybe you've never came to Christ. Maybe you just love your idols. (laughs) But I can tell you and you can rest assured they will not keep satisfying you. It's only going to get worse from here. (laughs) That's why you must turn to Jesus. I don't know about you all, but as you've been reading the word, rather you're here as a Christian or you're not a Christian, as you're hearing the word, as you're hearing how sin is being dealt with, as you're hearing about all of these sacrifices and and everything that's been laid out for these people to be restored back to God, I said to you, I believe, last week, like some of you are going to get up from this place and it'll happen this week too. I pray it won't. but that you will get up from this place hearing about a holy, loving God who willingly gave himself so that you could be restored to him and you're going to walk out of this place and you're going to go right back to the sin. You're going to go right back to that person you're laying with. You're going to go right back to the desires and and all the junk that's out there (laughs) trying to find acceptance among the world. And the sad thing is, it's not even going to phase you. And God, I said, God, help us. Help us to understand your hatred towards sin. Like, we've got to stop claiming him and not living for him, you all. We're to hate sin as much as he hates it. We're to recognize how destructive it is and like, oh God, what am I doing yoking myself to that? I belong to you. And that even when you do sin, (laughs) like you're quick to feel it, like, oh, I don't belong here. (laughs) I shouldn't be doing this. And then you ask for forgiveness and you stop doing it you go the other way. You don't sit there and stay in it and go, oh, this doesn't feel right, but I'm only human, so I'm just going to keep giving myself to it. No. If you let sin master you, 
It's going to kill you. Remember, you all are not ignorant anymore. Each of you sitting in this room, no matter if you're with in a relationship with God or you're not, all of you know truth. You've been around here long enough that you know truth. You need to ask yourself, what am I doing with it? Because the Bible says it's best that you have never known the truth than to know truth. See, each of you, God has revealed himself to you through his word, through Jesus. You've got to ask yourself why you keep going back to the very things that hate your God. Why do you keep going back to people, to places, to things that hate God? And yet you're yoking yourself to them. They do not have your best interest, as we just read. They do not, no matter if it's a person, no matter if it's whatever it is, it doesn't and they don't have your best interest. But God does, you all. He's the one you're rejecting. He's the one you're turning from. He's life. He's love. He's the fullness of everything. And that is who you're choosing to, 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 to dismiss out of your life? I said, oh, God, help us. You see, I know we like to make Jesus this weird hippie guy that passes out hugs and muffins, and you can do whatever you want. Oh, it's all okay. I know that's what we like to hear. I know we want to hear, tell me how I can live my best life now. Make it all easy for us, Jesus. Do you not see that the enemy is working overtime? That's why I keep telling you throughout this year, don't let the enemy teach you about God. Because he's lying. He is a deceiver. He is working overtime to, to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So you have to ask yourself, what are you doing with what you've heard? You, you've heard how you're to be living You've heard how to accept Jesus, not by making yourself right, not by anything, but just seeing him for who he is and saying, God, I believe. I believe you love me. I believe you came and you died for me, that you are the son of God, that you rose up from the dead on the third day. You defeated sin and death. Oh, God, I believe. And in that belief, you're born again. You, you receive the Spirit of God. You begin to, to live a new way. You're putting into practice the truth that you know. And your life begins to change. It doesn't matter what your friends or your lovers or anyone else is saying. You just keep moving forward because no one's going to snatch me from His presence. There's nothing in this world. And no one in this world that can entice me to walk away from my God. No one. Nothing. But yet every day I wake up, it tries to. Every day you wake up, oh, the enemy's not done with you. 
The world's not done with you. Your flesh isn't done with you. They will keep pounding up against you to make you deny Him. But you're to keep walking. You're to keep pursuing. Like this world is not our home. I am not trying to find anything in this earth to satisfy me any longer. I'm satisfied. You see, these priests were told what to do. These priests were given specific instructions, just as we are. And when those instructions aren't followed, there's consequences. And it doesn't make God a bad God. It makes him a holy God. Because he's not going to change his character to satisfy you. He is who he is, you all. He's holy. He's holy. And his desire is his people would be holy. Because remember, what is God's purpose from Genesis to Revelation, this mystery of, of heaven has been made known to us. It's that he will have a people that he will call his own and in return they will live and call him their God. Like these are people set apart all throughout eternity, all throughout the ages. People set apart. Human beings... <laughs> Screwed up just like us. <laughs> Liars, murderers, prostitutes. You name it. The worst of the worst. God calls them out as his own. And their lives change and they begin living for God. All throughout history. What the world and who the world would reject. God has gathered and said they are my people. And that, that's how we're to be living you all. But if you're not living, if you're not experiencing the fullness, being satisfied, don't blame God. It's your doing. It's your doing. You see, I want you to ask yourself, why am I stuck where I'm at? Don't blame God. It's your doing. There's something, if you're stuck in sin, if you're stuck in relationships, if you're stuck in a habit, if you're stuck, I know we like to say, oh, I, I, I'm struggling. <laughs> I know we like to make excuses of why we are still there. <laughs> but just realize your excuses make Christ and his cross and his resurrection look pathetic. It makes him seem like he has no power. You remember the scripture we're learning? The kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, but it's living through God's power. And so know you to be a transformed person. You're to be living differently. You're to be experiencing the freedom in which Christ came to give. And in Galatians it says, don't use this freedom and turn right back around to satisfy yourself. Because again, your life now is not about you, it's about others. 
It's about serving and loving others. It's about thinking of others before you think of yourself. And how are you doing with that this week? You see, there's a way in which we're to live. I know, I know we like to let the devil teach us about God, telling us how weak he is, he's nothing. Oh, he just loves you so much, you can just live however you want. We like the devil teaching us because it makes it easier. Oh, but he's leading you straight to hell with him. Don't let the devil teach you about God. Get in the word. Let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. Because that's why he came. Jesus says, I must go away so that he will come. Your teacher your comforter, your guide. That's how we're to live. Sin is destruction. So why, why, why are you going to get up here today and not be transformed? Only you can answer that. Only you can ask yourself, why am I satisfied around people doing things and going back to things, thinking things, you know, whatever, that I know that God would not approve of. Because listen, those who continue to sin, <laughs> rather you slap Jesus on your forehead or not, <laughs> you're going to die. And you're going to experience his wrath for eternity. And why? Why would we choose that? Why would you choose such great love? I mean, why would you choose such great wrath over such great love? Like, God, y'all, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Come to Jesus. Repent and turn from sin. You can walk upright in a crooked world. Your life is not perfect. But when you do sin, your sin will not define you. His grace and His love and His mercy will still define you because you're going to feel the conviction. You're going to get up and you're going to be propelled forward. Some of you are not getting up. You're still laying with it. Or laying with them. You're still there. But I want you to hear what happens to two priests today who chose not to obey God. In fact, some commentaries think they were drunk. They were just giving in to the things. And they acted in a way that they shouldn't have acted as priests. And they died. And God killed them. And you say, what? Oh, yeah. God killed them. Oh, but we don't like to look at God that way. <laughs> no, make him a hippie. <laughs> make him all lovey. Give me hugs and a muffin. Make me feel better. No, God killed them. He does not play when it comes to disobedience. He does not play when it comes to disobedience. Lest we forget Ananias and Sapphira in, in the New Testament. 
Remember, in their heart, they chose to kind of deceive the church. <laughs> they weren't forced to get everything. But they chose to, to, to look good in front of everybody. Remember her husband comes in? He was asked and he told this lie. Boom, he dropped dead right there. And then here comes his wife. Not knowing that her husband just dropped dead. She was asked the same thing. Remember what she was told? The same men who just carried your dead husband out, they're coming for you. Boom, she's dead. And the Bible says that there a great fear came over the people. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, gracious. God is merciful and God is gracious. And thank God <laughs> we're not dropping dead. But it could happen. It could happen. You can go and choose. Oh, what's it going to hurt this time? Or you can make your excuses why you're still with people you ought not to be with. <laughs> Living in sin. Doing your way and your thing. What's one more night going to hurt? What's one more phone call going to hurt? What's one more text? What's one more giving of myself? What's one more pretending? What's one more giving myself to this substance? What's one more giving myself to, to this desire? What's one more? What's it going to hurt? Oh. <laughs> Do you really want that? Clinging to it? When your last breath is taken? I mean... Really, is that what? Like at any moment, you're dead. Like at any moment, your, your breath is, is taken from you. And you're living for temporal things. I don't know if you think about it. <laughs> like at any moment, you're going to get the bad report. I sat in the doctor's office the other day. I've been told the past week the most craziest diseases that could possibly be going on with me. And I had to say to myself, Self, you're already a dead man. So it doesn't matter what report they bring back. It just encourages me that, God, my time is short on this earth. I've got to, I've got to be more about your business. <laughs> I, for goodness sakes, I could slip and fall and break my neck and die. I could step outside and get hit by a train or a bus. Or a plane could come crashing through this house and we're sitting here. We all can just burn up and die. Like at any moment. You're going to die. You're going to take your last breath. There's going to be no more you. You're gone. And you really think what you're pursuing is worth it? Where you're at is worth it? I just need to have it one more time. Oh, you don't understand my situation. I've just got to stay stuck. Oh, okay. Well, you realize you're choosing the temporalness over godliness. Come on, you all. You weren't meant and you weren't created for darkness. I love that song that we played earlier. 
you won't me- I know your 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 will and everything in you is drawn to it because you were born into sin. <laughs> but the very nature you were born into <laughs> that pulls you and drives you is the very nature he came to do away with and say, no, 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 love. (laughs) Let me show you the way of love. And then he draws us towards love. And when we truly love, we release ourselves. No matter the pool, no matter how it's clawing and scratching and trying to yank you back. (laughs) I love that picture. Oh, God, no. (laughs) You're a new creation. You must remember this. Or you're going to end up like the priest. We're going to read about Leviticus chapter 9, verse 7, through chapter 10, verse 20. Leviticus 9, verse 7, through chapter 10, verse 20. Here we go. Then Moses said to Aaron... Come to the altar and sacrifice your sin offering and your burnt offering to purify yourself and the people. Then present the offering of the people. I'm sorry. Then present the offerings of the people to purify them. Look at this. Making them right with the Lord, just as he commanded. The Lord desires for you to be right with him. (laughs) That's why he sent Jesus. So Aaron went to the altar and slaughtered the calf as a sin offering for himself. His sons brought him the blood, and he dipped his finger in it and put it on the horns of the altar. He poured out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Then he burned on the altar the fat, the kidneys, and the long lobe of the liver from the sin offering, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. The meat and the hide, however, he burned outside the camp. Next, Aaron slaughtered the animal for the burnt offering. His sons brought him the blood, and he splattered it against all sides of the altar. Then he handed in him each piece of the burnt. Then they handed him each piece of the burnt offering, including the head, and he burned them on the altar. Then he washed the internal organs and the legs and burned them on the altar, along with the rest of the burnt offering. Next, Aaron presented the offerings of the people. Of the people. He slaughtered the people's goat and presented it as an offering for their sin, just as he had first done with the offering for his own sin. Then he presented the burnt offering and sacrificed it in the prescribed way. He also presented the grain offering, burning a handful of the flour mixture on the altar, in addition to the regular burnt offering for the morning. Then Aaron slaughtered the bull and the ram for the people's peace offering. His sons brought him the blood, and he splattered it against all sides of the altar. Then he took the fat of the bull and the ram and the fat of the broad tail and from around the internal organs along with the kidneys and the long lobes of the liver. He placed these fat portions on top of the breasts of these animals and burned them on the altar. Aaron then lifted up the breast and right thighs as a special offering to the Lord, just as Moses has commanded. Had commanded. After that, Aaron raised his hands toward the people and blessed them. 
Then after presenting the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offering, he stepped down from the altar. Then Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle. And when they came out, they blessed the people again. And the glory of the Lord appeared to the whole community. Fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When the people saw this, they shouted with joy and fell face down on the ground. Are you kidding me? Did you just, did you just hear what they experienced? God reveals himself, his glory. Fire comes forth. And look at their response. They didn't go, oh, no, you're not God. I'm going to keep doing the way I want to do, living however way I want to live. No, they, they wrecked Oh, God. They were filled with such joy. Jesus. He moves among you day in and day out, day in and day out. Are you turning a deaf ear? Are you just closing your eyes towards him? Are you just pulling away more and more from him? You ought not to be. You ought to be filled with joy in a humble presence. Like, oh God, this is your position throughout the day. God, remaining low, remaining humble. There's something beautiful about this, you all. Look from the obedience of, of what God has instructed Look at God move among his people, drawing them ever so closer to him more and more. More and more. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, put coals of the fire in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. And this way, look at this, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire, different than he had commanded. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up, and they died there before the Lord. These men who chose to do it their way, And we want to keep playing around with sin. We want to keep doing it our way. We want to keep disobeying him. But you know good and well what you ought to be doing. The fire. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence. And burned them up. And they died there before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all people, all the people. And Aaron was silent. Could you only imagine? You just saw your children. <sighs> then Moses called out for Michelle and, and Elphus, Elzaphon. El Aaron's cousins, the sons of Aaron's uncle, Yusel. He said to them, Come forward and carry away the bodies of your relatives from in front of the sanctuary to a place outside the camp. So they came forward and picked them up by their garments and carried them out of the camp, 
just as Moses had commanded. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, do not show grief by leaving your hair uncombed or by tearing your clothes. If you do, you will die, and the Lord's anger will strike the whole community of Israel. However, the rest of the Israelites, your relatives, may mourn because of the Lord's fiery destruction on the Nadab and Abihu. But you must not leave the entrance of the tabernacle or you will die, for you have been anointed with the Lord's anointing oil. So they did as Moses commanded. Moses was reminding them of their position, of their new identity. And he was instructing them and making them understand that if you sin, not only is it going to come upon you, but it's going to come upon the whole community. So your sin is just not affecting you. It's affecting others. It's affecting others. And you could say, well, that's a mean God. What kind of God would do that? The right God, a holy God, a loving God who will not tolerate sin. Oh, if you want to continue to sin, then go. Do your thing. Have your share. Stay stuck in your situation. (laughs) But please don't think you're going to yoke the body of Christ to it. Please stop deceiving somehow, some way that you're safe. No. No. A true convert, a true Christian, is not enslaved to sin. They're not. Doesn't mean that they won't sin, but sin is not mastering them. And when they do sin, they repent. Because you've been set free. These people have seen God move. Remember, he delivered them. He parted the waters. He's done so much to show himself as he's done in your life. See, you're going to be able to look back over your life. Like, see, I remember when I came to Christ, I was, you know, all these years I lived before Christ and I thought God hated me. And yet, I can look back after becoming a Christian and look throughout my life. God was with me the whole time. Drawing me to himself. But I was the one that hated him. I was the one that was pushing him away and saying, no, you're not God. You see, these men should have followed, should have followed what the Lord commanded. It goes on here. Then the Lord said to Aaron, You and your descendants must never drink wine or any other alcoholic drink before going into the tabernacle. And that's why some commentaries think that these other two were drunk. Because as soon as the incident took place, as soon as the bodies were moved out, as soon as Aaron and them were instructed on how they're to mourn, these instructions were given. If you do, you will die. 
This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation. You must distinguish between what is sacred and what is common. And that is a huge reminder, you all, because that's how you should be living. You must distinguish between what is sacred and what is common, between what is ceremonially unclean and to what is clean. And you must teach the Israelites all the decrees that the Lord has given them through Moses. Then Moses said to Aaron and his remaining sons, Eleazar and Ethamar, Take what is left of the grain offering after a portion has been presented as a special gift to the Lord, and eat it beside the altar. Make sure it contains no yeast, for it is most holy. You must eat it on a, in a sacred place, for it has been given to you and your descendants as your portion of the special gifts presented to the Lord. These are the commands I have been given. But the breast and the thigh that are lifted up as a special offering may be eaten in any place that is ceremonially clean. These parts have been given to you and your descendants as your portion of the peace offering presented by the people of Israel. You must lift up the thigh and breast as a special offering to the Lord along with the fat of the special gifts. These parts will belong to you and your descendants as your permanent right, just as the Lord has commanded. Moses then asked them what had happened to the goat of the sin offering when he discovered it had been burned up. He became very angry with Eleazar and Ethamar, Aaron's remaining son. Why didn't you eat the sin offering in the sacred area, he demanded. It is a holy offering. The Lord has given it to you to remove the guilt of the community and to purify the people, making them right with the Lord. Since the animal's blood was not brought into the holy place, you should have eaten the meat in the sacred area as I ordered you. Then Aaron answered Moses, Today my sons presented both their sin offerings and their burnt offering, offering to the Lord. And yet this tragedy has happened to me. If I had eaten the people's sin offering on such a tragic day as this, would the Lord have been pleased? And when Moses heard this, he was satisfied. Listen, you all. Oh, God. When we just know him, he is so incredibly, I mean, just... There's so much to him. And, and yet, though, he is so holy and distinguished and set apart. He calls us to himself. The Bible and the New Testament says that we can come boldly before him. Not in a way that dishonors him. But because we live a life that does honor him, we can come into his presence. We can ask. And we can seek and we can knock. And we know that he is gracious towards us. Like, listen, y'all, if you just know him and to be known by him, it's the most incredible relationship you will ever have that you would ever experience. That God himself is for you and not against you. He does not tolerate sin. He hates it. But he came to rescue you from it. Like he laid his life down. He took it for you. So that's why we can live lives that honor him, you all. 
Are you living lives that honor Him? Go to Mark chapter 4, verse 26, through chapter 5, verse 20. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. Oh, how great our God is. (laughs) Jesus is still teaching here. It says here in verse 26, Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is like a, a farmer who scatters seeds on the ground, seed on the ground, night and day while he's asleep or awake. The seed sprouts up and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of the wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterward, when he was alone with the disciples, he explained everything to them. He's teaching principles, kingdom principles. Are we listening? Are we understanding? Though Jesus came to serve, and he's the greatest servant of all, he came to to, to seek and to save the lost. He didn't forget who he was. He knew his purpose, and he knew his plan. He knows the kingdom. It's his kingdom. He's teaching. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in a boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into a boat, into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence! Be still! Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other, even the wind and waves obey him. Listen, remember, these men have been walking with Jesus. They've been experiencing everything that he's doing, the healings, the deliverance, teaching with such great authority. And then life slams up against them. Their circumstances are, is now uncertain. It was almost like a hurricane force winds <laughs> pounding up against the boat. The waves are crashing in. 
And Jesus is asleep. His head on the cushion. He's out. See, what we can learn here is this. If they really would have known, known, known Jesus, they would have grabbed their own cushion and curled up right beside him. Because if he can sleep through it, what are we afraid of? After everything he's done, is the winds and the waves taking him out? I doubt not. So if he's resting, I'm going to rest. But what happens to them? Instead, they, look, they take their eyes, they forget everything that they have seen, and they're focusing on the wind and the way. They're focusing on their destruction. They're focusing on death. They're focusing on, don't you care? <laughs> See, if you know him, it's like those songs we've, we've sung earlier and heard earlier, for every mountain... You know, you brought me over. Yes. And he's the same God that closes the lion's mouth. He's the same God that has delivered his people. See, like, see, when you get to know him and you know how great he is, oh, the things of life are not going to deter you. Life hits you left and right. Just stand. I love it in Ephesians when it says, after you've done all you know to do, then stand. Stand therefore then, girding yourself up, putting on the armor of God and saying, God, this is not my battle. It's yours. You know, when the doctor said to me, hey, it could be this, 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 and that. I said, it could be myself but my God is contending against everything that is contending against me yes. and I remember remember that verse we read last week in chapter 37 or the week before and we heard it again today how God laughs at your enemies yes. and I reminded the enemy sitting there in that doctor's office my God is laughing at you yes. <laughs> you can do whatever you want you, I, I'm not afraid of you or what's to come to this physical body. I'm not saying I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> You're not going to enjoy life when life is shattering all around you. You're not going to enjoy life when things are slamming up against you. But remember, your enjoyment <laughs> and your satisfaction is not based on your circumstances. It's in Christ. So grab your cushion and curl up next to him. Because he's got this. And he's got you. And you can trust him. Jesus stood up. Silenced the winds and the waves. And they were terrified. Who is this man? That even the elements of nature has to obey him. Oh, come on, you all. Can we not get excited about our God? 
This is the God who is here among us today trying to get our attention. This is the God who is saying, listen, I'm not going to leave you. I love you. Would you just turn to me? Give me your life. Or you could choose to say, no, I'm going to do me. It's your choice. But oh, how great our God is. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the garrisons. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by evil, by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, he, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered around among the burial caves and in, in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. Interesting. That even the demons know who Jesus is, you all. Oh, so keep parading around with them. <laughs> keep letting your mind and your thoughts and your desires just to be enslaved to their draw on you. What a fool. <laughs> because they even know that their time is coming. They even know of his power. They even know who he is. And yet... And yet, they will spend an eternity dealing <laughs> under and experience his wrath in an eternal hell. These demons knew. For Jesus has already said, for Jesus had already said to the Spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit! Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him, and again and again, not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us to those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So look at this. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. 
A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been demon. I'm sorry, had been possessed by a legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus, go with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of the region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Oh, there's so much going on in this portion of Scripture. The power of our God. How great is our God. Jesus, you all. Listen, darkness, demonic activity, Satan, all the crud and the crap of the darkness... There's no match for our God. He has given them the right to have full access on this earth. They can't move on their own. But God is sovereign. Listen, y'all, we must truly know Him why do you think the darkness, why do you think evil, why do you think things of, of, of the occult lure mankind so easily? We're so fascinated by it. Oh, we must be careful. Demon possession is very real. Careful what you're yoking yourself to. Careful of what you're giving yourself to. Careful of what you're doing. Because they like to take up residence. Now, they cannot possess a believer. The enemy has no right, no legal right, no hold on a true believer in Christ. Oh, but for the unbelievers? Careful. What you're giving yourself to. Oh, you could be sitting here distracted thinking of this and thinking of that. I don't care about this God stuff. Whatever, 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 whatever. Oh, but something's leading you. Mm. Remember, you have the enemy and his legion of demons. You have the world and you have your own flesh working against you. And somehow you think you're in control. Oh, I'm making my way. I'm going to do me. I'm going to get... Oh, no, 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 no. You're following something. <laughs> You're giving yourself over to something. And keep giving yourself to it. Because it's mastering you. But that is not where you belong. <laughs> you belong in Christ. That's why Jesus has come. He's come to set the captives free. This man was set free. Amen. And these town people... Instead of being like, oh, Jesus, and humbling themselves and going, 
Oh, Lord. No. You've disrupt my life. You've taken away our income. What are you doing? Leave. Leave this place. And that's how some of us respond. No, I'm not giving up my life. No, I like what I'm doing. I like where I'm at. Stop interfering because every time I draw close to you, things happen. I don't want, to, I don't want you, Jesus. And we respond just like they do. And I love how gracious he is. He leaves. He leaves. And the only one that came and said, Oh, Jesus, take me with you. He says, No, no, no. Go tell others. Go be about my business. Go tell others what I've done for you. Go tell them. And he does. And boy, does he have a testimony. Because he used to be the wild one. He used to be the one cutting himself and acting a fool. He used to be howling and carrying on. People were petrified, scared of him. For God's sakes, they kept trying to chain him up. And all of a sudden, he's like, I've got to tell you about this man. I've got to tell you about the Lord who saved me and delivered me. Who transformed me and changed my life. You see, you cannot have an encounter with Jesus and not be changed. That's what I'm telling you all through Scripture. You want to know if you're a true believer? Is there transformation in your life? If, you're, if there's no transformation, if there's no newness coming forth, again, not that you're perfect, so don't think, well, I'm not perfect, I'm not saved. It's not about that. It's a process until you're with Him. But until then, that doesn't give you the right to keep sinning. Like sin is no longer your master. There is a transformation taking place. There's an awakening to the deep things of God and you're desiring. Like everything about you begins to change. (laughs) And if you're not seeing that, oh, you have not been converted. (laughs) You're just interested in Jesus. (laughs) But oh, that you would be saved. Oh, that you will call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. And allow the Holy Spirit full reign within you to lead you into the process of sanctifying you until you're with Him, until you stand face to face with Jesus and hear Him say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in. Oh, how we should look forward to that day. Go to Psalm chapter 37, verse 30 through 40. And we're coming to an end. Psalm chapter 37. Oh, how are others seeing your life? Are you talking about Jesus? Are you sharing about Jesus? You ought to be. Psalm 37, verse 30 is where we're starting. You should be telling others about Jesus. Oh, God, help us. Psalm 37, verse 30. (laughs) The godly offer good counsel. They teach right from wrong. They have made God's law their own. So they will never slip from his path. 
oh, if you don't highlight that, if you don't take those scriptures and meditate upon them every day of this upcoming week, who are you listening to? Who is counseling you? If you're going the ways of the world, you're being led astray. The godly offer good counsel. They teach right from wrong. They have made God's law their own, so they will never slip from his path. The wicked wait to ambush for the godly, looking for an excuse to kill them. Again, you all, this world is not going to embrace Christianity. This world is not going to fall in love with Jesus. Only those who have been born again would love Jesus. The lost hate to hear what's right. We've all been there. If you're a Christian, you know what that's like. Before you came to Christ, people would try to tell you about Jesus, and you're like, ah! You know, and you would get angry. Well, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Or you would reject it. You'd be like, oh, whatever. Or you would pretend, oh, okay, okay, ah. And yet in your heart, you hated him. Like it's the most craziest thing. If that doesn't open your eyes <laughs> and say, wait a minute, there is something to life. <laughs> Why would I hate what is good? Why would I keep being drawn to what is bad? Oh, wait a minute, maybe all of this is making sense. I mean, the more that I read Scripture, the more time that I keep walking with the Lord, I go, oh, this is really weird. <laughs> because all this is true. <laughs> and I go, oh, Jesus. Like, there's work to be done. Like, are we getting it? Like, why are you still where you're at? Why do you still keep acting Badly. Why are you still allowing what has tried to destroy you determine your steps for you? <laughs> but the Lord, it goes on in verse 33, but the Lord will not let the wicked succeed, praise God, or let the godly be condemned when they are put on trial. Put your hope in the Lord. Travel steadily along His path. He will honor you by giving you the land. He will see You will see the wicked destroyed. I have seen wicked and ruthless people flourishing like a tree in its native soil. But when I looked again, they were gone. Though I searched for them, I could not find them. Look at those who are honest and good. For a wonderful future awaits those who love peace. But the rebellious will be destroyed. They have no future. The Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them, and they find shelter in Him. What a beautiful picture. Do you know God? <laughs> Do you truly see Him for who He is? Like, listen, you're, again, I can't keep saying this over and over. You're going to get up from this place. Or maybe you sat here in this place today. And you're like, oh, whatever. Oh, I think of myself, oh, whatever. My mind's all the way over here. La, la, land. And that's okay. 
But how sad for you. <laughs> because you're captivated by the very things that wants to destroy you. That's what you're giving yourself to. And you say, well, I don't believe in that. Okay, you don't have to believe. But at the end of your life, oh, you're going to believe. <laughs> but it's going to be too late. You have a moment now to be like, oh, Jesus, you're real. <laughs> like, oh, God, you love me. Like, you see how wicked and vile and wretched I am. <laughs> I'm in rebellion towards you, and yet you love me. God, I'm going to trust you. See, you have a choice today to live as one who is of, of, of Christ, of, of righteousness, of peace, of joy, of hope. Or you get up from this place and you just keep acting ugly, stuck in your same mess. Oh, but I'm getting out of it. I'm getting out of it. No, you're not. You're just clawing and the dirt just keeps falling on you. Oh, no, I'm going to have a breakthrough. I'm going to have a breakthrough. Yeah, when you choke and die. <laughs> and you say, oh, but Rob, you're so harsh. Well, I have to be. Do you know what's working against you? Do you realize what's working against you? Every day you have breath in your body to destroy you. And I've got two hours on Sunday <laughs> to try to come alongside you and encourage you. Choose life, choose life, choose life, choose life. Choose Christ. Choose to live differently. I don't care where you've been or what you've done. I don't care where you were an hour ago or last night or what you think you're going to turn back, go back to when you leave here. What I care about is do you know Jesus? Because he, he should be the one determining your steps. He should be the one, and you know, convicting you, going, I'm not going back to what I came from. Why am I yoking myself to people who don't love God? Who counsel not the ways of the godly, but of the world. Oh, we gotta wake up, we gotta wake up, we gotta wake up, we gotta wake up. God is not one that he will be mocked. Love him or not, it's your choice. <laughs> but why would you settle for less? Go to Proverbs chapter 10, two verses. Six and seven. Oh, the godly are showered with blessings. The words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. We have happy memories of the godly, but the name of the wicked person rots away. Again, we see the picture of the godly and of the wicked. Where do you find yourself today, you all? Because you can't be in between. I've got a half a halo on this side and a, and a, and a horn coming out of this side. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You, you, you're not torn down the middle. You're one or the other. Either you're godly or you're wicked. And where you fall determines on what you're giving yourself or who you're giving yourself to. 
See, godly people have been drawn by God. God is God has revealed Himself to them, and they responded, and they've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They didn't say, "Oh, I got to be perfect." No, they just came with a brokenness. You all like God, I, God, I just need you. I believe. I confess. But the wicked, oh, God is pleased to reveal himself, and he's revealing himself, and he's revealing himself. I praise God that he revealed himself to me in my most wicked estate. (laughs) I was so dark, so far away from him, just as you were, or just as you are. (laughs) And God steps in. He says, I'm here for you. Like, will you just turn to me? This is our God, you all. He's so gracious. He is so kind. He is slow to anger. He is so merciful. But he is a holy God. And he calls us out to be holy as he is holy. To turn from darkness. To turn from evil and do good. (laughs) To seek for peace and to work hard to maintain it. To live a life that just doesn't do a lot of talk about his kingdom, but live a life that's empowered through him to advance his kingdom. And our sister Norma has been called out. And she's going away for two weeks. This is her last Sunday with us for two weeks. She's going to be across the world ministering the gospel. To a country that is darkened. So I hope you pray for her. I hope you think of her while she's gone. She's going to come and share with us. She's learning how to play the guitar. But she's coming to share with us. I just want to encourage you all. My God is not a, a respecter of persons. What he has done in her life, he could do in your life. Like She was once <laughs> just as crazy and as darkened as that man we read about in chains, breaking everything, running amok. And now just like that man, She's going out telling everyone what God has done for her. She's no different than you. So don't think that God can't use you. God wants to use all of us, you all. He wants to use you. Rather, he sends you across the world, or rather, he just sends you through your hallways of your schools or through your workplace or through a grocery store, or throughout your neighborhood. People are dying, and they need to hear about Jesus. They need to know the risen Savior. They need to know of his love, and of his grace, and of his mercy. So I just thank God for you, sister. And I just love you so much, and I'm so encouraged by what he's doing, and has done, and will continue to do in and through your life. Thank you. First of all, I want to...
encouraged by those little cars. Um, I prayed about it. So, um, and my brother say I'm gonna be. Uh, well, first of all, uh, how I started with this. Um, my grandpa used to play the guitar every evening at the house. And um, I used to always ask him, Grandpa, please teach me how to play the guitar. And all he was doing was just like, here. I'm like, Grandpa, I don't know how to play. I never learned with him. So anyway, so one day I was in one of my secret places with God that I called Secret Place where I go and spend time, quality time in the person of the Lord. And um, after I read the Bible and pray and all that, and um, I was having a really good time with the Lord. And I had my eyes closed. And, and I was talking with God, and I said, God, man, I wish if I know how to play the guitar. I would love to play the guitar for you. I would love to worship you. Um, and um, and all of a sudden, I heard, this scripture came to my mind, which is in Matthew 19, 26, where he say, with God, all things are possible. And I'm like, you're right. I can still learn how to play the guitar. And I said, God, I don't want to, I don't want to play music like, the, the world, but I want to play just for you. I, I just want to be able to worship you in spirit and truth. Um, and um, so I bought this guitar last year, and um, so I'm learning on my own. Um, and yesterday I went to my one of my secret place, and I was thinking that I was going to play I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Um, but as I was thinking and praying and, and everything, um, I said, you know what, God, when I, when I spoke with you the first time, I told you that I want to worship you and experience the truth, and I want music to come out of my heart. Whatever is in my heart, I want to express it. So the name that I named this, that I just, I don't know if I should say compose or whatever, but it just uh, is You and I in Heaven. That's how I titled it. So I hope you enjoy it, but honestly, I'm not playing for you guys, to be honest. I'm playing for Jesus right now. So I hope, and Lord, I just, Lord, this is my heart desire to worship you. I pray, Lord, that this will be a burnt offering to your presence right now. I pray, Lord, that there will be in a beautiful aroma to your nostril and uh, and sweet melody to your ears right now, God. I love you and I want to love you with all my heart. All I want is to serve you for the rest of my life. So enjoy, Father, I love you.
<risa> Se impone share with you guys which is the one that oops sorry 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 that have encouraged me so much and that I just feel like this part of my journey is Philippians 3 7 14 but whatever were gained to me <laughs> but whatever were gained to me and now comes through the loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider it. I consider everything lost because of this aversion earth to knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. 
for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own, but that come from the law, but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that come from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Know that I have already obtained all of this, for I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take but I press on to take hold of what for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet taking hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and is straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. And Father God, I just so thankful for for who you are and for what you have done and you continue doing in my life. I pray, Lord, it's my prayer today, my God, my Lord, my Savior, my Redeemer, my Beloved, the love of my life, Jesus Christ. I pray with every, for every single person that is in this room, my God, Lord, that they will have an encounter with the living God, my God. Lord, that they would experience this joy that is only found in you and you and our Lord, Father God. Lord, what a wretched woman I used to be, my God, wicked and perverse and so far away from you, God. But you, by your power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have transformed my life and continue transforming my life every single day, God. I want to be just with you forever and ever. It's my dream. It's my, my passion to be with you, God. And I pray that every single person in this room would experience the same thing, my God the joy and, the, and to know you as Lord and Savior, to know that we are secure in your hands, Father. So I pray, God, for freedom. I pray, God, that you set the captive free. Lord, that you, God, will have an amazing encounter with them, my God, for each, each of us, Father. And that we will, you, you will use it for your glory and for your kingdom and for your name's sake, my God. So we thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have that we can call you Abba, Father, beloved, friend, the love of my life. It is you and you alone, God. So, Lord, I pray, have your way, my God, and all of us in this fellowship, my God. Have your way where I'm going, God. Do as you please with me, my God, and with all of us. Let your will be done.
here in this earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.